Welcome to Rapidly Rotating Records, an hour of toe-tapping music from rapidly rotating 78 RPM records of the 1920s and 30s with yours truly, Glenn Robison. We've got dance bands, hot bands, sweet bands, show tunes, novelty tunes, blues, jazz, and more on everything from Aeolian to Xenophone and by everyone from Aronson to Zerky. On this week's show, we're going to celebrate the birthdays of Paul Bees and Merton Boris, go on a diet, fulfill a promise, and that's all. Last week, April 11th, marked the birth in 1885 in St. Joseph, Michigan, of Percy Hawthorne Sudborough. Doesn't ring a bell? You may know him better as Paul Bees, B-I-E-S-E. It's not known where he received his musical training, but he played violin, clarinet, and saxophone, and in 1899 and 1900 toured much of the country with the Henry B. Rooney Concert Company. His parents had divorced by 1900, and in 1905 his mother was married to Carl A. Bees, and in the 1910 census, Percy was officially Paul Bees. Over the next few years, he played in traveling orchestras and began composing, teaming up in 1913 with Frank Henry Clickman. The following year, he also partnered with James Will Callahan and was leading both a trio and small dance orchestra. Starting in late 1919, Paul Bees's Novelty Orchestra and Novelty Trio found their way into the Brunswick, O.K., Victor, and Columbia Studios, where over the next five years they made dozens of records. Bees had always been a large person, fluctuating between 250 and an estimated 400 pounds, but in 1920 he decided to do something about his weight and underwent a surgical procedure removing about 100 pounds of his girth. The procedure was a success, but the lifestyle and road trips took their toll, and in late 1925 Bees fell ill during a residency at the Castle Farm Roadhouse in Cincinnati, Ohio. He was taken to Good Samaritan Hospital, where he died on October 27, 1925. Here are a couple of tunes by Paul Bees. Thank you. 
The Paul B's Trio, recording for Columbia in December of 1919. Some of the tracks recorded around this time were medleys, but the titles often had the second song noted with introducing, such as that one, Just Another Kiss, introducing Vol's inspiration. This became a fairly common practice in the 1920s and gave record companies and artists a greater chance that at least one of the tunes would catch on. This Just Another Kiss was written by a J. Hilbert and N. Hilbert, and is not to be confused with the Just Another Kiss written by Benny Davis and J. Fred Coots, recorded by George Olson with the vocal by Bob Borger. And there's also a 1932 Just Another Kiss by Merton H. Borries, who you'll hear about in the next segment. Before Just Another Kiss were two tunes written by Paul Bees. We started off with Right or Wrong, written with Arthur Sizemore and Haven Gillespie. That was Gene Rodemick's orchestra in the fall of 1921, and was followed by the Six Brown Brothers with Saxophone Sam. That was a collaboration with Frank Henry Clickman and Harold G. Frost, better known as Jack Frost. That Victor record was made on May 7, 1917. I'm Glenn Robison, and you're listening to Rapidly Rotating Records. Back on March 10th, I played Finders, Keepers, Losers, Weepers, written by Merton H. Borries and Paul Corbell. I also promised a birthday segment for Mr. Borries, so... Last week, April 12th, marked the birth in 1898 in Seattle, Washington, of Merton Herman Borries, B-O-R-I-E-S, to Alfred Borries and the former Ella Korn. He graduated from Broadway High School in 1917, and his photograph in the yearbook carried the caption, His very foot has music in it. Being from the port city of Seattle, it's not surprising that beginning in August of 1918, young Merton was working as an apprentice mariner aboard the SS Iroquois, and the following month he received his seaman's certificate as a merchant marine steward. I have no information about his musical training or the circumstances under which he composed, but he apparently began writing songs in the 1920s following his maritime career. In the 30s, he worked in radio in the Pacific Northwest in sales and production, and as an on-air personality on KPO, San Francisco. His songs include Paradise in Dixie's Arms, What Aloha Means, Ship Ahoy, and the unusual titles Yen Ki and Isle of You. Not Y-O-U, just the letter U. In 1936, while working as production manager for KGW and KEX in Portland, Oregon, Boris wrote Roses Are Blooming Again and presented it to the officials of Portland's Rose Festival. The song was played on the air by Dick Jurgens and his orchestra in a special broadcast. He died March 20, 1974, in Fresno, California. Recordings of Boris' songs are difficult to find, but I did manage to come up with these two. Thank you. 
George Olson and his music with Gypsy Land. That's from Victor 19979, recorded March 4th, 1926. And we started our abbreviated birthday tribute to Merton Boris with The Westerners and Consolation. The Westerners was a pseudonym for the Broadway bellhops, a Sam Lennon group. That was Harmony 426-H, waxed May 23, 1927. Consolation is the theme song from Dress Parade, a DeMille Pathé film starring William Boyd. Back on the March 31st show in the One Thing in Common segment, I played a couple of medleys consisting of parts one and two spanning both sides of the record. I didn't have time to play the second parts, but promised to try to play them soon. And since I always try to keep my promises, you're going to hear both of them now. The end has come, my heart is numb T'was like a boat from the blue above I can't believe it, but you are gone, darling And here lies love The sky is dark, I hear a lark he sounds as sad as a mournful dove The dew appears like the tears of dawn Darling, for here lies love All my dreams lost beyond recall Dreams of spring blasted in the fall You gave lips, you gave arms I gave all I ought to cry, my eyes are dry There's only one thing I'm conscious of I only know that I can't go on, darling For here lies love
the charms that might make you happy to hold. She'll let you learn that lips may burn, yet never be able to scold. When leaving you there in the light, she'll fade from sight to join the shadows that walk in the
In the One Thing in Common segment on the March 31st show, before I settled on the big broadcast medley for the musical clue about the big island of Hawaii, I was going to use that record as the clue. Reuben River Reeves and his tributaries, identified on the label of Vocalion 15841 as the Hollywood Shufflers, with Bigger and Better Than Ever. Bigger and Better Than Ever was written by Cliff Friend for George White's Scandals of 1929 and recorded September 19, 1929. That was preceded by Part 2 of the Forbidden Melody Medley. It started off with the tune Moonlight and Violins, followed by baritone Alan Holt with You Are All I Wanted. He was also part of the male vocal quartet, along with Clark Bremer, James Davies, and Claude Reese, who sang Shadows of the Night. And soprano Dorothy Dreslin soloed on No Use Pretending. We started off with part two of the big broadcast medley by DeBroy Summers and his band at the Regal Cinema in London, on January 19, 1933. Songs here were Here Lies Love with Dan Donovan, Trees, Kicking the Gong Around, Marta, and Crazy People with the vocal by the Carlisle Cousins, whose names you already know because I told you on the previous show. Spring is here and will be closely followed by summer, so now is the time people start thinking about trying to look good in a bathing suit. So here are some rapidly rotating records about growing thin. Are you downhearted? Are you minus joy? Have you acquired too much average boy? Don't worry, kind friend. Your troubles are all at an end. Are you reducing? Have you tried that out? Oh, you know the system I'm talking about. When you're overweight, holy smoke, don't you hate to hear that provide folks are springing of late. Cheer up, eat and grow thin. Take off and shake off that old double chin. Buy it, try it, get on the diet, take some long marches, and cut out the starches, while merrily you roll along over the hardwood floor. When your old thirty-sixes will not thirty-six, for each island says yes, there's a hook that says nick. And to get in and out, you do Houdini tricks. When you're trying to eat and grow thin. Breakfast finds your stomach hard to console. When you just take lemon juice and a roll, a roll on the floor for 10 or 12 minutes or more. You won't know how good to drink water feels till you cut out all your drinking at meals. When you hear glasses clink and you try not to shrink, then you know why some folks commit murder for drink. Cheer 
As I was saying, folks, I'll eat anything. Anything? Anything. You won't eat ham. Well, we'll leave politics and religion out of this. I've noticed one thing, girls. You can store this in your dome. All the married men who run after me have skinny wives at home. You'll have to be much thinner to attract the young cheeks. Don't worry, I'm doing all right with the Spaniards and the Greeks. I don't want to lose weight. The boys tell me I'm great and my sweetheart loves me just the way I am. I have no fear that he'll go chasing round with other mamas. He may find one who will fill my shoes, but not my pajamas. I don't care what I weigh. I eat pie every day. I hate pineapples and I don't care for lamb. I'll tell you very frankly, I weigh 163. But many a sunny boy has tried to climb upon my knee. And I don't want to get thin. You can laugh and you can grin. But I'm doing very well the way I am. We started that diet set with Nora Bays telling us to cheer up that you can eat and grow thin. E. Ray Getz wrote Cheer Up, Eat and Grow Thin, and it's not to be confused with the 1928 Eat and Grow Thin, written by Lewis Weslin and recorded by Bob Pierce, on the flip side of Etiquette Blues, one of my favorite records. Joseph Pasternak conducted the orchestra on that December 8, 1916, Victor 78, number 45108. Next, it was Charles Prince's orchestra in an instrumental version of Dance and Grow Thin, written by George W. Meyer. That was recorded May 14, 1917, during the run of its namesake musical. The two-act, 14-scene musical review Dance and Grow Thin opened at the Coconut Grove Theater on January 18, 1917, and ran for 117 performances. That was followed by Gus Van and Joe Skank singing the Irving Berlin lyrics to Dance and Grow Thin on March 1st, 1917. Come to think of it, the term to grow thin doesn't make much sense. By definition, growing is getting bigger or increasing in size. Sophie Tucker apparently knew this because she sang I don't want to get thin instead of I don't want to grow thin. The Last of the Red Hot Mamas was accompanied on piano by Ted Shapiro, who threw in a couple of comments of his own. That was recorded by Victor in Hollywood on April 2, 1929. Last week, my friend, ragtime pianist extraordinaire Adam Swanson, shared some pictures on Facebook of sheet music from the Johnny Maddox collection. The most unusual piece of music was a waltz from 1918 titled Lonesome, That's All. The song was written entirely by Ben J. Bradley of Franklin, Kentucky, but partial authorship was claimed by publisher Lee S. Roberts. The song was an enormous hit, recorded at the time by at least half a dozen artists. In 1919, Columbia alone recorded three different versions in less than three months. It turns out that Ben Bradley was one of Johnny Maddox's piano tuners in the 1940s and 50s, and signed a copy of the sheet music for him. And there, as Paul Harvey would say, you have the rest of the story. Here's Wayne King, the Waltz King, with his first recording of Lonesome, That's All.
since I've seen you, dear. Yet I know it's been only a day. But the hours seem long, and the world goes wrong, and it's empty with you. each dream of your loveliness to sink once again into loneliness and I'd give all this world for just one
to hear some more of Eddie South and his violin. Eddie South, one of the greatest of modern violinists this time, takes the asbestos sheet off his violin, plays a real torrid number in At the Ball. the show. The Dark Angel of the Violin, Eddie South, with At the Ball, That's All. You could tell from the announcement that was not from a commercial 78 RPM record. Eddie South played extensively in Europe, but at the end of 1932 he brought his international orchestra to Los Angeles for an engagement at the club Ballyhoo on the Sunset Strip, known as quite the rowdy venue. During the first three months of 1933, they recorded a number of 15-minute radio shows sponsored by Coloni Skin Products, and that's from one of those 16-inch radio transcription discs. Also in the band, Clifford King on clarinet, Milt Hinton on bass, and Jimmy Bertrand on drums. Here's the opening theme from the show we just heard. Weaver Jackson presents a program for Colony Skin, a mysterious glandular substance which brings you facial rejuvenation, featuring Eddie South and his international orchestra. Hmm, I'm not sure I'd want to be putting a mystery glandular substance on my face, even if it did offer facial rejuvenation. Thomas Morris is best known, when known at all, for his recordings with Clarence Williams, Sidney Bechet, and Morris's own group, The Hot Babies, which featured Fats Waller. But before Eddie South, we heard Morris recording under his own name, Thomas Morris Past Jazz Masters, 
with Just Blues, That's All, a Thomas Morris original. That recording, issued on OK8075, was recorded in May of 1923. We started off that That's All set with Wayne King, The Waltz King, and Lonesome, That's All. Victor 26180 was recorded in Chicago on February 24, 1939, and Wayne King re-recorded Lonesome, That's All, again in 1955, and again singing the lyrics. I'm Glenn Robison, and I'm very pleased that you've chosen to spend this past hour with me listening to Rapidly Rotating Records. I hope you'll click in or tune in again next week, and as always, I thank you for your very kind attention.